What's up, everybody? This is Marlins in-game host, Mike B., and you're listening to Fish Across the Pond, Marlins UK podcast with Peter Pratt. Cheers from the 305. Hello and welcome to episode 92, Fish Across the Pond. It's a Marlins UK podcast and of course I'm Peter Pratt. Joining me today, it's fish on the farms and swimming upstreams. Alex Carver back in the house, 50 episodes since we last spoke. Alex, how are we doing brother? Doing awesome, Pete. I'm super excited for tomorrow. Uh, Minor league baseball starting back after that lost season in 2020. I'm going to be out watching the Hammerheads in St. Lucie. I'm super stoked to finally have this back. Me and Daniel uh, and a lot of, of people that follow us are so stoked for this. Super excited. Uh, can't wait to get, get out and watch these prospects in person and see how they've developed since that lost season. 100%. And uh, yeah, if, you know, swimming upstream for anyone that, that hasn't found you guys, which most people probably will that listen to this pod. But if you haven't, uh, Alex and, and, and Twitter champ, Danny DeVivo, uh, the two of you guys um, host that one, mainly focused in on, on Marlins prospects. So for 2020, the content was a little bit lighter than what you'd have hoped, I guess. Yeah. But 2021, <laughs> full steam ahead for uh, for you boys. <laughs> yeah, it was a struggle, honestly, Pete. I got to tell you, um, like that's that's our material, right? And all of a sudden it's, it's gone. So <laughs> the, the focus that I've had since 2014 when I started this entire thing and, and like there was barely any prospect coverage. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, wow. Okay. Um, just got some breaking news there as we're speaking, Pete, I'm sure you'll see that. Maybe we could go into it a little bit, but, um, yeah. Uh, when I started this back in 2014, you know, it, it was going to games. It was, it was watching the guys looking at what you see, you know, making your predictions, making your projections, you know, speaking to maybe that guy or two after a game. And then all of a sudden we have half a season of major league ball and, and no minor league ball. So it was tough to keep this going, honestly. Um, you know, I'm glad that I was able to do it. The Marlins are nice enough to have me in for the zoom calls and to try to kind of keep it going by reporting on the younger guys. Uh, and then I brought Daniel in and just having somebody else to talk to that is on my same level, if not better than me, I, I think he's better than me when it comes to, to evaluating these prospects. I, I had to bring Daniel in. Um, you know, I, I, I was looking to get help already. And then, you know, the season shuts down and I'm like, I got to have somebody to talk to and keep this going and start a podcast. I brought Daniel in. He's amazing. When I don't know something, I go right to him. He knows it. Uh, we bounce ideas off each other. It was actually his idea to do the podcast yesterday. So an awesome dude. I'm, I'm lucky to have him as well. Um, so yeah, I, it's good to be back at full steam. Top dude. You, you're right on that. Have I got the wrong guy on this pod then? Have I? <laughs> <laughs> I'm only teasing you, mate. Um, listen, as you've just mentioned, then uh, not at all. The, the Twitter machine fires up, right? You, you you paused for a few seconds because you were reading the news that just dropped. Uh, it's twenty past eight UK time uh, on uh, on Monday evening, and the news is, I guess, I think Paul Campbell maybe is on a on a prospect list. I'm, I'm not sure he could still be eligible. Um, he probably is. Yeah. So, but anyway, the breaking news, yep. Paul Campbell, who started the game uh, on Saturday for the Marlins, suspended for 80 yep. games, effective immediately. 
for performance enhancing substances. Wow, that is wild. <laughs> I mean, snap reaction on that news. You got me? You got me, buddy? Yeah, go ahead. I don't know if you heard what I, I basically said. Snap reaction on the news of Paul Campbell. Wild news. Yeah, uh, that's crazy. Uh, I mean, we right as I was talking, uh, that drops from, from Craig Nisha and Jordan McPherson. Um, well, I, I guess my initial reaction is this is the end of his Marlins career for sure. Um, you know, I don't even know if the Rays will want him back now, but he will probably return to the Rays. Um, wasn't pitching great as it was, and now he's um, doing PEDs. Yeah, um, that's the end of his Marlins career, I would say. Um, I say that the Marlins are probably already in the process of returning him to to Tampa. So, yeah, um, sucks. I mean, I thought he was a pretty decent prospect. I mean, obviously the Marlins saw something in him to get him out of the Rule 5. And, uh, yeah, now he's um, looks to be done with the Marlins. So that's that's crazy. Absolute. That is a that is a shocker. That has caught me completely off guard. Um, like you, Paul Campbell. There were some tools there. There was some ability for sure. It it's not the tools of a, a of a starter full time. I don't think so. But more of a long man type dude. You know which you need. You need those dudes. But wow, shocking news. And uh, yeah, as you said, that will that will be the end of him in in Miami. I would say so. Um, you know, wish him well. Don't know the backstory, but um, that's the backdrop now to the to this podcast. Um, really, uh, let's let's turn it on to more positive notes. Yesterday, it was like your Christmas Day. You and you and Daniel DeVivo, Christmas Day for you guys. Minor league rosters were announced. Uh, we're going to do some deep dives on some of the the teams and etc. But were there any huge shockers for you in terms of where players landed and which roster they're they're appearing on to? start things out in 2021. Yeah. So I guess it was two guys for me, Pete. Honestly, the first one was Yuri Perez, who's an 18 year old kid who's never played any affiliated ball. Um, I was expecting him to go to the GCL and extended uh, spring training. And now he's with the Hammerheads, full season ball, just turned 18 years old, big kid, six, nine. Uh, he's got three pitches to him. Looks really good, but I did not expect him to start at full season ball. I had him, uh, I had him pinned for the GCL. So that one for sure. And then the other one for me was Jake Eater, who comes out of the draft um, along with Max Meyer. Meyer maybe a little bit more of a polished prospect than Jake Eater, but Jake Eater sticks right with them, and they go uh, up to the Double A Blue Wahoos. So yeah, um, Eater for me, um, just being a guy that can be good, but I didn't expect him to be challenged that hard uh, this early in his career. And then uh, Yuri Perez as well, the same boat, uh, 18 years old. So yeah, those two were the surprises. Um, I guess you could say some people were surprised by Meyer and then Peyton Burdick. Um, Meyer, I thought might have had a chance to start in Beloit and then go up to double A. Um, but, uh, obviously the Marlins feel that he's ready for double A and then Peyton Burdick. Um, I really wasn't that surprised by that one just because of how fast this guy has just, you know, come into his, his own as a prospect. I mean, this guy doesn't look like there's many holes to him. So I think he's ready for double A. So yeah, just those two big surprises for me. And then Meyer, I guess could have started in Beloit, but glad he's in double A. Yeah. I did I did I hear you right? Perez is six foot nine. Yeah. Oh my days. That's right. <laughs> and he's only what 18, 19? Just turned 18, actually. So yeah. Wow. 
Wow, wow, wow. I, I'm going to have eyeballs on him now for the for the duration of his minor league uh, career, no doubt. That is intriguing for sure. And Jake Eder, you mentioned, uh, uh, came, well, he's up at double A. He's a lefty, six foot four dude. Uh, you know, Trevor Rogers 2.0, maybe. I don't know. Um, you know, clearly uh, the, the Marlins are doing well developing those, those lefties right now. So that'd be interesting. I think you hit the nail on Burdick. I mean, we got to see a bit of Burdick through spring. I'm not shocked whatsoever. He's in double A. Um, he looks he looks a real nice prospect. And there's, you know, there's some real momentum, I think, gathering behind Peyton Burdick. I'm all in on him. No doubt about it. I'm on that hype train uh, for sure. So one other thing there, we've we've mentioned a few different names. You've already mentioned the Blue Wahoo. So last time there was minor league baseball uh, being played. Uh, Pensacola weren't part of the Marlins organization. Uh, and uh, we've also Wichita which was a new AAA uh, affiliate. Well, it's been, it, it's now gone already. So Wichita never had one game, unfortunately, uh, un, you know, with the Marlins, uh, the Jumbo Shrimp, Jacksonville, uh, uh, the AAA, uh, Pensacola Blue Wahoos that you mentioned, uh, the, the AA, the Beloit Snappers are in as well, and then the Jupiter Hammerheads. So that's how they're lining up this year. Um, a lot of regional stuff, though, in terms of where these teams are located, you know, being in and around Florida, at least three of them anyway. Um, how do you think that's going to help, you know, the development and the players themselves to, to have that more localized approach? Yeah, um, that, that was actually my first question to Kim Ang. Uh, the first time I actually virtually met her on a Zoom call, um, I asked, uh, you know, what does that do for you having three of the four affiliates in, in Florida? And she basically said that it's huge because it'll be easier for her and Derek Jeter uh, to go out and watch these prospects in person, which I think that's really great because you could see a lot on TV. You could get a lot from reports, but you want to see it with your own eyes, right? So yeah. I think that's big uh, for them to be able to, you know, the ease of access to these affiliates, I think is great. Um, she said the same thing. It's going to do a lot for them in personally seeing these prospects. And then in player movement, as you said, Pete, um, getting a guy, you know, from, uh, you know, Jacksonville to Miami is a lot easier than getting a guy from, Albuquerque, New Mexico, where the Marlins used to have their AAA affiliate to Miami. So yeah, I mean, or even from Wichita to Miami. Um, so yeah, I mean, that that's awesome. It's a really big advantage. A lot of teams in minor league baseball don't have that advantage, even in the redrawing of things. Um, some of those centrally located, central United States located teams, they don't really have that. I mean, they're closer, yes, but they're still a little further away, especially from from Miami in relation to where Jupiter is and, and Jacksonville. Pensacola is a little farther away, but it's still manageable, right? I think it's only like an hour and a half flight. They're right over the Gulf. So, yeah, um, pretty excited about that. I know the organization thinks that's a huge plus for them. And, yeah, I just just thought, just because you mentioned the Wichita, um, just to wish them well because um, that I thought that was a great relationship. The Marlins were with the late Lou Schweikheimer for a long time. He owned the New Orleans uh, franchise, which was the Zephyrs, and then Baby Cakes wanted to bring baseball back to Wichita, Kansas, and he did it. Um, unfortunately it's not going to be with the Marlins. It is with the Minnesota twins, but it's cool to see, even though he's passed on and he won't see Wichita's first pitch that the, um, players in Wichita will be wearing a nice patch of Lou on their sleeve. So yeah, really great organization. Wish them well. I had a great time getting to know them. Lou himself, Bob Willett, that whole front office is great. And I really want to wish them the best. Yeah. Same, uh, nice sentiments. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's good that they're, you know, they're going to get some baseball back there in Wichita, right? So, um, you know, the, the legacy continues, I guess. So, you know, nice on that front. Um, mate, which, where are you going to spend, you know, where are you going to spend most of your time? Which affiliate are you most likely to be found at, um, you know, day to day, week to week? 
that's a great question because <laughs> I mean, I guess the easy answer is Jupiter because I'm closest to Jupiter. I'm only about a 45 minute drive away. Um, so that w- that's always where I usually frequent the most during the season. But I do try to get up to each affiliate at least once. I was able to do so last year with the exception uh, of, the, or not last year, excuse me, in 2019, with the exception of New Orleans, I did not get to, but I did get to the rest. Um, and it, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's fun to do if, if the money and the, uh, the uh, circumstances in my personal life with my day job permit, I do definitely try to do that. Now being that three hour in Florida, as we stated before, Pete, I definitely want to do that this year. I definitely want to go Pensacola. That river, that uh, that waterfront stadium that they have looks amazing. I Ooh. really want to. Um, and then of course uh, Jacksonville. I've been there before, but I'll be back, especially now that they're the AAA affiliate. Really great. I don't know if I'll be able to get to Beloit, which is unfortunate, but maybe. Uh, definitely not now because I don't want any part of that cold weather, man. But uh, may- maybe later <laughs> in the year, see what happens with that. If not, I'll definitely be there next year. It's a 10 year partnership with them and the, um, and the Wahoos. So we'll see. Love it. And on the the teams themselves, the key question uh, for many, uh, including Dan Healy, will be listening to this pod. Hope you're doing well, Dan uh, is which of these teams or affiliates have the best merch, which have the best uniforms, which merch should we be picking up? I mean, honestly, Pete, I like all of them. Um, I, I mean, just because they've been around like longer, obviously than Beloit and Pensacola, I already have a ton of Jacksonville stuff. Um, I have a really, really lot, (laughs) a big lot of a Jupiter hammerhead stuff. Um, who has the best, I mean, uh, the, um, shrimp and the laws. I love that Wahoo's hat with the bat and then everything that the shrimp do is awesome. I mean, their Scrabble night. I actually have Trevor Rogers signed Jersey from that Scrabble night that I just randomly won an auction before Trevor Rogers really popped. So that was really cool to get. Um, and then I have a couple of other things too, that, that are really cool, but Jacksonville uh, and D- uh, David rats, I believe uh, is the guy that always puts together those quirky little scene nights that Jacksonville does. Um, and then, yeah, the, the hammerhead stuff is nice, but they did recently rebrand like a couple of years ago. Um, and they brought orange into the jerseys. And after what happened with our rebrand in Miami, I kind of stray away from orange and in <laughs> base jerseys. So I'm, I'm not really a fan of that, but I do love their logo. Um, to just to mention it really quick, I spend a lot of time in that Jupiter area. The lighthouse um, that is on their hat, that's the landmark in Jupiter. It's a really cool place to visit. That whole area is Jupiter Inlet. They have a lot of cool restaurants and stuff around there. So being that it's a place that I spend a lot of time at, I really love that hat with the shark and then the the J hook. It's just a perfect logo for Jupiter. I hope they they consider um, redoing their jerseys again. I know they did just redo them recently, but maybe if Jamie Tool is listening to this podcast, he'll he'll uh, he'll take um, maybe a a. Uh, uh, a suggestion and <laughs> maybe redo those jerseys. I like the lettering. I like the font and everything. It seems to flow nice. I especially like their black jersey. I just hate the orange man, but we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I, I think there's there's merch to be had for all of these affiliates. But if you ask me for a favorite, I mean, I still got to say it's Jacksonville. Pensacola is not far away. No, oh, nice. Okay, so let's get into some some prospect talk here. Um, at a high level, though, let's start there. Real, real high level. Just give me your assessment or your grading on the Marlins system just overall right now. How do you see it? 
man. Uh, yeah, I think I said it to you before, maybe off the air real quick before we started that it's just night and day from where it was like, even just like four years ago, not even maybe even three, four years ago. It's just, it's so night and day from, from where it was to where they are. And as I said, that's just a huge testament to everybody that's put their fingerprints on this franchise, be it Jeter or Gary Dembo or Fernando Seguinal or uh, Kim Ang, any, anybody that you look at up and down this organization, it, development team, you know, as well with Jeff DeGroote uh, and Hector Crespo and everybody that has a part in developing these players. It's just a testament to all of their work that we are where we are now compared to where we were uh, just a few years back. So it, it's, it's great to see you know, their hard work and all of their research and analytics and everything that goes into developing these players really pay off. I really do think that this is the best development system in baseball. Where is the system uh, MLB wide? I, I got to say it's top five feet, honestly, mm -hmm. just because there's so much, there's so much to draw from. And we see it up and down the levels on these rosters that came out. There's, there's baseball and good baseball. That's going to be able to be seen at all of these levels of the minor league of, of the minor leagues this year starting tomorrow and that's not something you see with every team right uh, i remember in years past where i would go out and just see no, no knock on any of the guys that i ever covered but i would just see bad baseball man honestly it was just not good baseball and yes you know that these are developing players but mm. you see polished baseball at such low levels like low a like that's huge and, and that's what you really want to see is that these kids are so good at such a young age and they're just getting better 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 and the marlins have that so that kind of depth it's it's not that long ago that we were in a completely different position so great to see in terms of the biggest i guess strength you know system within the system what you're saying the biggest strength is from a marlins perspective right now in terms of positions um i mean there are some holes right i mean um there's guys to move around to fill those holes, right? You see the Marlins moving Gerard and Carnacion into first base mm -hmm. to fill that. The Marlins don't have a ton of first base prospects outside of Lewin Diaz. Um, you know, they don't really have a lot. Of if he's going to, he does, but we'll see what Tim Angst decides to do. Is he out of the Marlins price range? I guess that's the story for another podcast. Anyways. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, third base is another one that the Marlins are going to have to kind of move pieces and try to get, um, some of that middle infield depth over to third base. The strength I would say is the outfield for sure. Um, and then starting pitching just because there's so much to draw from. I mean, like I said, even from the lowest levels, when you guys got guys like Daxton Fulton, um, Evan Fitterer, Yuri Perez, who we talked about. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's so crazy to see these guys that are already so good at such a young level. And it's just depth upon depth upon depth. When you talk about outfield. And, and then uh, starting pitching. So, yeah, I think the strengths are those two, but a couple holes um, that we can kind of uh, address um, and we've already started to, but yeah, um, just, just overall, just a, a great situation for the minor league system. Yeah, I agree. Those, those two areas for me stand out like outfield and starting, I mean, starting pitching clearly. I mean, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be standing out because of what we've already got. And then not only um, what we've had, but then in the draft, they just go arm after arm after arm <laughs> in the shortened draft. It was, I mean, yeah, the Marlins, were, they were literally playing 5D chess for that one. They were just, you know, doing something that no one's ever done before. It was, it was, you know, immense to see. It was, it was very, you know, it was funny almost the way they did it. But, you know, that's become the Marlins calling card now. That's the MO is arms for days. And, 
love to see it. And the other thing that, that's interesting is they're not just not only just drafting these guys, mm. but when when you hear kind of some trade talks starting to pop around, you know, the Marlins clearly trying to add to the major league uh, roster in different parts. You're hearing loads of these names be knocked around in trades, like teams come asking for these guys. So what that says is the Marlins not only you know they're loading up on arms, but they're they're drafting real well and they're drafting they're, they're drafting players that other teams like too, which I think is going to be useful too. You know, it, when we start to make some moves, and I think they will, the time will come where they make some some major moves in the next eighteen months. Some of those yeah. tools will be handy. You'll see a point, Pete, where they do start to draw from that depth, right? Draw from that outfield depth and draw from that starting pitching depth to get a guy that they need at the major league level. But clearly, in the case of this offseason, the names that guys were asked, that teams were asking for, I know Peyton Burdick was one of them. I know Cameron Miser's name was getting thrown around a lot. Braxton Garrett's name was getting thrown around a lot. And mm -hmm. ultimately, the Marlins don't make that big move. So clearly, the guys that they, these teams were asking for or the combination of players that these teams were asking for, the Marlins just weren't willing to part with them yet which is completely fair because i look at names in this system like we talked about with peyton burdick i i still like braxton garrett a lot i think he had a hard go of it last year with everything that happened with him getting his season canceled and then has to come in and pitch in, in major league baseball games because we needed him to because of the covid situation what does that do to a guy's psyche i kind of talked about with that with daniel on our podcast mm -hmm. um does that hurt a player more than it helps him i think it could honestly if the guy comes in and all of a sudden it's not just about your development anymore. They want you to go out there and try to win and get the team into the playoffs that can hurt a player at a certain level of development. So yeah, the fact that again, that minor league the season is back and these guys can get back to focusing on developing their arms, developing their tools and really just focusing on that winning. Yes, of course you want to compete and win games, but in minor league baseball, that's secondary it's really about focusing on the development of these players and getting them to the big league level. So they're ready to win at the proper time. So yeah, the guys that people were asking for in trades, Marlins weren't ready to do it. I don't blame them at all. Mm -hmm. Obviously it's been nice to have Wilson Contreras or, you know, a big outfield help. Uh, you know, I do like Adam Duvall, but maybe a bigger name. Yes, that would have been great, but here we are. And I I'm not against it. I'm all for it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, some of those names you've just mentioned, and listen, I'm all aboard the Peyton Burdick hype train. I'm, I'm fully in on that. I also love a bit of Braxton Garrett too. I don't know who's been slandering him, but I'm not having any slander on, on, on Brax. No way. I mean, one of the most legendary plays that I've ever seen, ever, was a Braxton Garrett start. That Brian Anderson yeah. play at third base. I've never seen a play like that before, and I've never seen a reaction like Braxton Garrett's either. <laughs> it was sensational. So, <laughs> oh, love it. Um, right, let's, let's kind of dig into a couple of guys, you know, what people want to hear, they're thinking, and there's average fans, average Joes like me, that don't, we don't have the time, the understanding, the knowledge to go deep in some cases. Um, so we're going to go deep. But before we do, let's start at the top end of, of the system um, and just get your take on some of the, you know, the top 10, 15 guys that, that are around in, in the Marlin system now and, and, and who you, I guess, have most confidence in to kind of take the step up. I think what, what 2020 meant was clearly no, no minor league ball being played. But what, what it meant was we got to see some of these guys at the major league level. They probably weren't ready. So that's the thing that we've got to bear in mind. But, you know, we saw some guys up. We've had a taste. A Jesus Sanchez was up. A Lewin Diaz was up. Braxton Garrett that we've mentioned. We've had Nicky Nida up this year. So 
you know, we've had little tasters, um, you know, right at the top of the system. I mean, Sixto is still the number one prospect. Uh, we've, uh, we all know what Sixto is right now, so we don't need to go into any more depth there. I think he uh, graduates from prospect status, I think, in his next start or next couple of starts. So he'll be off this list soon. Um, but sitting there ready and waiting to be the number one prospect is J.J. Blade. Alex, how impressed have you been by what J.J.'s been able to do in, you know, I guess, in, in, in spring and, uh, you know, whatever else we've seen of him? He looks, he looks a legit major league talent almost already. Yeah, uh, absolutely correct. Um, came out of that, that draft, obviously, he's a high, highly heralded pick and the Marlins throw him into Jupiter, uh, single A, advanced it was at the time, right? So, um, yeah, they throw him right into full season ball and not the lowest level of full season ball, the second highest level. So, yeah, he comes into that season. Um, I got to see him a lot um, after he came out. And, you know, he looked, he looked good. You saw, you saw the tools were there. You liked the swing. Um, you liked his work in the outfield. Um, you could see it coming. Uh, you could definitely see that he had the underlying mechanics to be what we have seen now, but it was still a little bit timid. I mean, that you can kind of expect that out of a guy coming straight out of a draft. You know, obviously he had just done big things in college and now he's going up against these much better pitchers. So it's an adjustment point, right? For any collegiate player, no matter how good you are, that you're going to need to adjust to that. Yeah. And he did it superbly well. Jupiter, Florida at Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium is not an easy place to hit baseballs. We saw that a lot in spring training. We continue to see it at Hammerheads games. It's not easy to hit balls there. Um, it's a big park already. You got uh, the uh, breeze off the ocean already coming in. Uh, when it's coming in, it's it's almost impossible to get a ball out of that stadium. So you got to really hit one hard to get one out of there. There's just so much room in the outfield. So, yeah, he came up. I think he hit around 260, 250, 260, something like that. So um, pretty decent, for especially in his circumstance. But then he comes into this year. Um, and what, what does he do? I mean, in, 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 in spring training uh, last year as well, before the shutdown, just, just, just beautiful. I mean, mm -hmm. the lefty swing is, is gorgeous. Um, he's patient. He can go to all fields with the baseball. He's got gap to gap power, has some over the fence power that is probably going to be 20 plus homer power. It's just a guy that there's, there's, it's hard to find a hole in this guy's game. And that's not something you say about a lot of prospects, maybe, 20 or 30 guys in the league, you could say that about. And, and JJ is one of them. So, yeah, I think he will take over as the top prospect. He's in double A. I think we could see him move to triple A. And then possibly, I'm looking late season, Pete. I'm looking at him coming up and contributing to the Marlins. I, I really think it's possible. Oh, baby. JJ, it's JJ season, perhaps in August and September. I mean, why not? I mean, it was getting to one point, all the injuries happening at the major league level right now, it was getting to a point where I was, I was starting to ask that question legitimately now. Like, could J.J. Blade be up in May? This was at the point when I think Corey Dickerson had just gone out of the, out of the game with a groin injury. Um, Cooper hit a chopper onto his foot and had an X-ray. Marte's already down. I was thinking, oh boy, where, <laughs> where are our outfielders? Um, you know, could it be Blade season? But no, I think, you know, listen, he's going into double A. Double A looks absolutely loaded. I love the way that the, uh, the Blue Wahoos kind of, I guess, announced the roster and just kind of said, just loaded. <laughs> it looks a loaded team. Looks like it could win a ton of games. I know it's not about the winning, but um, it looks a lot of fun there too. A lot of talent around, which would be fun. Uh, but I'm the same as you, buddy. I look at I look at Blade in spring and just think, he looks pretty much ready to go almost. Like, it would not shock me if he's up. He, player comp-wise, 
And he is still on the shit list, so let's get that out there. But, you know, he's got a look of Conforto, like he does. Um, and you got any other comps to Blade or is Conforto close enough? Uh, I mean, it's, it's hard with, with comps, honestly. You don't want to get too far too fast. Um, <laughs> you know, I know you, you asked for that, which is fair. I know that kind of brings it more to light for people. What, what do you expect, right? Like, like what, what, what player can you look at and say, okay, that's going to be J.J. Blade? It's hard. I, I think Conforto is, is fair. Um, you know, just because he has that same kind of swing, that same kind of mindset. Um, you know, I, what I really like about JJ Blade's attitude, I'll just add this in before mm-hmm. I maybe give you one or two guys. What I really like about his attitude is that you hear him talk and he basically just says, you know what, for me, it's not about going out there and pressuring myself and trying to hit the ball over the fence every time. And, you know, if I strike out, I strike out and that is what it is. But as long as I'm going out there and not wasting my at-bats, as long as I'm not going out there and swinging at bad pitches, as long as I'm not going out there and trying to do too much too fast, that's a success for J.J. Blade. That's a successful day. That's a successful um, at-bat. That's a successful uh, game for him to have. So I think you hear that, and that's great. Like, I mean, to have that mindset this early in his career, it just proves that he's just so polished. I mean, it's fantastic to see. It's great to hear. He says all the right things. He does all the right things. I love this kid, man. I, I, I really, I, I could talk about him to you for hours on end. I, I don't think it would ever get old. Manningly says the same thing that, mm. that he could kind of talk about JJ forever. I, I'm right there with the man, but yeah, um, JJ Blade, just, just an absolute, absolute, just, just a stud prospect. And again, as I said before, it, it, it goes, we're going to talk about it. It goes well past these, these first couple of guys. It goes into, many other guys at all the levels of the system but in terms of jj himself so good man i think he's going to be amazing uh, i'm really excited to see what he does with pensacola well i want to go into the an, another outfielder actually so i mean you've mentioned it's a, de- a a position of uh of strength for the marlins and boy oh boy it is you're just scrolling through the top prospects and it's just outfielder after outfielder um with with arms sprinkled in it's it's insane but I wanted to get into Jesus Sanchez with you, buddy. Um, he's down as the number six prospect right now for the Marlins uh, on the list I'm looking at, which is um, MLB's list. And Jesus Sanchez, we, we got to see him in 2020, and it didn't go well, let's say. Uh, I'm not even sure if he got a hit. I can't recall, actually. It, it, it wasn't great. Um, but what's... He's going to be with uh, with the Triple A team to start. Didn't see much of him really at all in spring. What? Where are we up to with Jesus Sanchez? Because he you know came over as part of a trade. Ha- not much has happened. Yeah, um, it's an interesting case and a guy that I'm really looking at and and wanting to see exactly where he is because, like you said, he came in. He was supposed to take part in um, in Major League Spring Training, and. He never got on the field. We barely saw him around the complex. Word word got out that he was injured. Um, and we just haven't seen him since. Mm. Um, it, it's we heard that he's rehabbing, he's doing his running program and 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 you know, starting to take BP, which is all great. It looks like he's scheduled to start on time, uh, with I believe it's triple A. Um, so yeah, um, it's a guy that's it's gonna be fun to gauge him. Uh, maybe not right out of the bat, because you want to right out of the gate, I should say. You want to see him get his footing back under him a little bit. Hasn't played for a while. Didn't take part in spring training. Only has been doing like light work and stuff like that, right? So you kind of want to see him 
gain his footing again, and then maybe we can say, okay, where is this kid at? Um, yeah, so it's a big power bat. Um, he came over in a trade. Um, so the Marlins want to get something out of him, and and I think the leash is going to be pretty long on him. But, you know, being in AAA and being so close, you kind of want to see it happen, right? You want to see that he's going to be able to, to do it. Um, and it, it, it kind of goes into the same case with where we were this time maybe a couple of years ago on, on guys like Lewis Brinson, like you want to see them do it. This is the point in their career where you want to see them really show that they can play in major league baseball. I think that's kind of where Jesus Sanchez is headed, that this is a big year for him. That's what I mean to say. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, we'll see. Um, I think it's, it's um, it, like I said, it's, it's a, it's a big year for him. So we'll see how he gets uh, started. Um, I wouldn't really base a lot on his numbers or anything like that until maybe third, fourth week of the season. Like I said, you want to see him gain his his footing and get going again full steam. But after that, yeah, you want to see where he is. So we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Another guy I want to dig into uh, with you. We probably won't have spoken any depth about him last time when we spoke, but he was with the organization. It's Victor Mesa Jr., who for me has, has really kicked on, you know, in the way he's being viewed. Um, what's what's your sense in terms of where Victor is? And this, not to be confused with Victor, Victor Mesa, this is Victor Mesa Jr. Um, who's, who's ascending right now. Um, where's he he's, uh, with, where, where's he been assigned to actually? He been uh, Victor, actually starting with the uh, Hammerheads, the yeah. uh, yeah, full season ball team. So yeah. Great. Uh, but yeah, um, first, first year in full season ball for, for VMJ. Uh, really, really, really excited, um, on this kid. Um, I'm so glad that he's here in Jupiter. Cause like we mentioned, that's the level that I personally get to go see the most. So I'll really be able to go in person and get to see him and really gain a feel for where he's at in his development. Yeah. Super excited for that. Um, and yeah, you said he comes over, um, he's thought to be like a glorified throw in to that Victor Mesa, uh, signing deal. Um, they had said they, they wanted to go to the same place. So, you know, Victor Mesa was the big signing and then little brother comes and he's kind of thought, yeah, maybe he could be a good player in the distant future, but Victor, Victor Mesa, that, that's, that's the prime time, right? That's the guy we wanted. And it turns out now that Victor Mesa, Victor, Victor Mesa is actually, I think per pipeline out of their top 30 prospects or at the very least at the very bottom. And then Victor Mesa jr. Is all the way up to like 12th or 13th. So you flip the script there, right? Yeah. Um, I still think Victor Victor Mesa has a good a good career ahead of him as a major league baseball player. Don't get that wrong. I really think he's going to do well. I think it's kind of unfair to base his whole career based on what we've seen on of him already. Obviously, you wanted to see him come out as that big money guy. We made all these trades for for pool money to get him. You wanted to see him come out in his first year and just rake, right? And then you wanted to see him maybe in spring training this year. You wanted to see him maybe hit a couple bombs or something like that didn't really happen um but he's made some development so i i just want to get that out of the way on victor victor i know you asked about victor mesa jr but just on victor victor i i don't want people to, to look at him and say okay he's out as a prospect because it's not true he is getting older i think this is a big year for him um so yeah you want to see him start to really uh impact the baseball uh this year more because that's something he did not do when he was playing with the hammerheads in 2019 so, yeah, you want to see him get behind the ball more. You want to see him drive baseballs. You really want to see him start to show that he can hit as a major league baseball player. So that's it on Victor Victor. We'll see how he does. Um, Victor Mesa Jr., so excited, man. It seems, and I said this to Daniel on our show, that he went from this really wide-eyed kid 
you know, coming up when he first got here, he was always asking photographers to take his picture. He was kind of fooling around a lot, kind of like the, the lights kind of hit him hard, right? Like, damn, I'm in major league baseball. I, I think it kind of, it kind of hit him hard and he got a little immature. He kind of got maybe a little away from his, away from his routines and the work that he needed to do. And he's a kid, right? I mean, you get, you got to kind of expect that, you know, he comes over to the United States and he's in major league baseball. So he's around these major league players. He got a little star studded, I think, honestly. So yeah, starstruck, I should say. So yeah, I think he's past that. You saw, and I think this was massive, Miguel Rojas, who I yeah. know you love, mm-hmm. takes him under his wing. Miggy maybe kind of saw what I saw, what I think, maybe we'd have to ask him. And, you know, he kind of takes him under his wing. Miguel Cabrera, you see training with them as well at times. Uh, so how can you argue with that, right? Like he's, he's, he's taken under the wing by the, one of the greatest leaders that the Marlins have ever had with Miguel Rojas. And he's showing him the way, right? He's showing him how to behave as a professional baseball player, how to get his work in, how to train. Huge. I love that. And I, Mickey said he hopes to do that in the future with another prospect and hopes that those prospects go down to their affiliate and teach other guys that same way. So you get that trickle down effect. It just speaks volumes to Miguel Rojas's ability to impact this franchise, not only the Marlins, but system wide. This guy is having an impact. I know that there have been ideas kicked around. I had Craig Mish on my podcast and he said as a hot take coming into the season, maybe the Marlins trade Miguel Rojas this season. I know where he's coming from because the Marlins have so much depth in the middle infield. You have jazz Ethan at the major league level that are ready. Ethan looks ready at least. And he's doing well right now. Hopefully that sticks. And then you have all these other middle infield prospects coming behind them that you want to see. So I know where he's coming from, but Miguel Rojas also is an older guy. He's contract is expiring soon. I get it. That's the last thing in the world that I want the Marlins to do. Mm. I really would hate to lose Miguel Rojas. I don't even care if he plays one more year. I want that one more year on the Miami Marlins, right? Even if he doesn't resign with the Marlins and decides to go into coaching, fine, do it. Coach with the Marlins, come back, please. But I want Miguel Rojas as a part of this franchise for a long time. So yeah, that's huge. I think Victor Mesa Jr. has a big challenge ahead of him playing at full season ball. Um, yeah, so we'll see how he does. Um, I'm excited to see him. Like I said, now that's the long version. <laughs> <laughs> well, you cover two guys and a bit of Miggy in there. So, you know, that's, that's all good. Uh, like you said, you know, Miggy, if you want to go and work with a guy, you know, from Victor Mesa's perspective, go and hang out with Miggy. He's going to show you the way. I mean, there were some awesome videos knocking around in, in the off season there of, yeah, uh, Miguel Cabrera, Miguel Rojas, um, you know, Victor Mesa, you know, all working out together. Um, you know, Miggy's doing chin-ups or something uh, at one point. The music's pumping. A lot of fun. But Miggy spoke of that, and this is what you mentioned, that he, he wants to help guys understand, get in the mentality and go and teach the others when they go down to their, you know, their affiliate and their team for the year, which is a great concept. So, um, you know, and actually just going on, you know, in that same team, this outfield in, in, in A-ball looks like it could be loaded. You've got Victor Mesa in there. And you've also got Cameron Meisner who's going to be patrolling the outfield there, it looks like. So, oh, boy, you're going to be spoiled uh, with what you're watching there. What's the lowdown on, on Cam Meisner now? I, I, you know, he was a nice name um, from the draft two years ago. I, I'm pretty excited about him. What about you? Yeah, so uh, Cameron Meisner, um, first thing to get off with him is he's a massive human being. Uh, I, I don't know the exact measurement. He's huge. 
like this guy is like to see him in person. Like I saw him for the first time in person, obviously uh, this spring training and he comes out of dugout. I'm like, who is that guy? And <laughs> he's, he's, he's a physical specimen, man, but at the plate, he's pretty smooth. I mean, I, honestly, you, you see all that size, right. And you see it with the guys that are as big as him, that it's tough to handle their mass at the plate. And they look a little stiff at times. Cameron Meisner doesn't, man. I think Cameron Meisner handles his body very well. Looks really smooth in his swings. I really love his swing. Basically, no loop to that swing. It's a straight through cut with slight uppercut. Um, and then, of course, with his raw strength, I mean, it's, it's built for big power. So, yeah, also great patience. Um, this is the thing about Cam Meisner. Um, I think he needs to be, and it's, it's weird to say about a prospect that's so young, right? He's kind of an oddity because I think he's a little too patient at the plate. I think he could used to be a little bit more aggressive with the plate, right? I want to see him using that swing, man. And it's great to take close pitches. It's awesome to see that. Um, yeah, and you love to see the patience. I do want to see him be a little bit more aggressive, though, because the swing is just so good. And if he impacts the ball, man, if he gets a hold of one, it's going for at least a double, possibly homer. So, yeah, it's a guy with, with um, clear 2020 potential, um, maybe 30-30 potential if things all work out for him. Great, great prospect. I really like him. I'll give you a comp on this one. All right. I didn't want to give a comp on. Oh, oh, give, oh, here we go. I'll give you a comp on this one. Um, and it's a name I don't like to bring up, but I'll, I'll give you this one just because I see so much of him uh, in how they're built in the swings and how they handle the outfield. Um, you know, their mechanics. I, I really see a lot of Yelich, man. Like I, I see a lot of Christian Yelich and I saw Yelich, of course, coming up. And now I'm, I'm seeing Cam at the same level. And Christian was a, a similar player at the same level. He was a little bit timid with the bat. Didn't really use the swing as much as he should have. I thought he could have used to be a little more aggressive. Um, yeah. And then he worked that out, obviously. And, and it's going great. Um, obviously it's not for the Marlins, but um, yeah, I mean, it's a guy I see a lot of Christian Yelich in, and um, I think he can make that trade hurt a little less if he pans out. Wow. 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 I mean, that would be a lovely, that means a great comp. You're really going to, uh, I get. I guess, get some more eyeballs on Meisner now for sure. <laughs> I'm going to be cracking that one. <laughs> that whole outfield, honestly, is ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that Boyd Snappers uh, single way advanced outfield. It's, it's a shame I can't get up there this year, but I'll definitely be watching. They're going to be on MILB TV. So we'll be able to watch them. Get that package, by the way. If you're listening to me and you're intrigued by any of these Marlins prospects, get MILB TV because you get some quality video. The radio broadcasts are all great. Um, shout out to my guy, Scott Kornberg in Jacksonville, by the way. I can't wait to hear his calls. I love his, I love his radio calls. He's a great, great radio announcer. Anyways, all the radio announcers for, um, for this minor league system are great. I'm getting to know the guys in Beloit and in Pensacola. Um, and then uh, for Jupiter, the radio broadcasts are kind of interesting because they kind of bring in like these kids that are training. This is obviously off topic, but they kind of bring in these kids that are in broadcasting school and they give them a chance, right? So that's cool. It's minor league baseball. You're giving these these kids like their their call to broadcast the game. I think it's cool. So yeah, I love that package. But anyways, um, yeah, uh, back to Cam Meisner. That whole outfield. I just wanted to mention it. Griffin Conine, right? Um, the name Conine is back with the Marlins. I know I've said that a dozen times ever since we acquired him for Jonathan VR. Um, but yeah, I, I'm still excited that the name Conine is going to be on the back of affiliated Marlins jerseys and hopefully on a Marlins jersey in the future. Want to see him cut down on his strikeouts. That's the big thing with Griffin. And then you got Connor Scott. And Connor Scott had a great spring training, man. And I really saw him take a lot of the loop out of his swing. Great to see. Um, his, his swing is looking so much better. He looks more comfortable at the plate. Uh, yeah, got into some games late in spring training. And I loved what I saw. He looks a little bigger. 
Um, another another really really good player to watch, and I think he could be a fast mover, Connor Scott. So yeah, that whole outfield is great. I mean, how many outfielders have we got? <laughs> it's just <laughs> so many, so many outfield prospects. It's it's insane, and these are the names. You know, you start right at the top of the system with Blade, and we're already down to okay, Victor Victor Mesa, Victor Mesa Junior. You're into Meisner, Burdick, Scott, Conine. I mean, and we're not even talking about, you know, like you know, Monte's up there, you know, kind of going between, you know, let's see if Monte can kick on. Jesus Sanchez, we talked about. I mean, it's it's unreal how many outfield um, prospects they have, which is interesting because at the major league level, where they're at right now is, you know, theoretically all that outfield could be moved this year if they decide to. Clearly, Marte is, is deal ends. Duval, I think, is an option. Uh, on, on that one, a mutual option maybe or, or some sort of option to extend. And uh, and Dickerson, as we know, is, is is a free agent as well as as Marte. So theoretically, you know, if some of these guys really kick on, it's going to be intriguing to see what they do at the major league level and if they can, you know, progress upwards. So, you know, wait to see. So many outfielders, you already called it out as a, as a huge strength. Um, what about on the pitching side, mate? I mean, there's some guys that we know about. We know about Sixto. We know the name and the projections for Eddie Cabrera. We're not seeing it, though. Where's Eddie up to the moment? What's going on with him? Yeah, so the last uh, I heard, um, I believe, from the Marlins is that, I I don't want to get this wrong, but I believe that the correct call-out was that he was throwing at 105 feet, if I'm not mistaken, and that's his long toss, right? So that's kind of your last step before you get into throwing bullpens. And then after you throw bullpens, you do a live. And then after you throw a live, you eventually get into minor league starts. So, yeah, uh, where is he? Uh, honestly, Pete, um, I think we see six toe back first. Um, I think that's looking like, um, you know, at the latest, I think mid-June, maybe be- hopefully beginning of June, looks like maybe mid-June is a possibility for his return to minor league games. Um, I think he'll eventually go up to um, AAA, pitch for Jacksonville a little bit, and then um, we'll see where he is in terms of, his development and readiness to come up to the big leagues. And of course, where the Marlins rotation is at that time, are we healthy? What happens now with this ridiculous situation with Paul Campbell? <laughs> Who knows? Um, that that kind of throws a wrench in, in everything. And we, it was crazy. We heard about it. You guys can listen back. We heard about it. As I was talking, I get that notification. Like, wow. Anyways, I'm getting off topic again. Sorry. Um, <laughs> just still kind of like taking that in. Like, yeah, I was wasn't pitching great and, and he's he's on he's on, he's on pd anyways um sorry <laughs> well i've got uh, some i've got some more breaking news for you unbelievably yeah. there's more breaking news while we've been on this well, there's two bits of breaking news paul campbell that's yeah. not so good news here's the positive news trevor rogers yeah he's, he's won the nl rookie of the month awesome that's work cool. from trevor um well deserved too right i mean let's be honest um him and Jazz were both in the yeah. running for this, and clearly Jazz has got hurt. Um, but Trevor Rogers, I mean, he's only he's just graduated from his his rookie, um, you know, his prospect status anyway, so he's no longer on the on the uh, prospect list for the Marlins. But boy, oh boy, Trevor, he has really taken the leap this year to literally the next level. Yeah, so good to see Pete. Honestly, I mean, I it's it's so awesome just because. I talk about it all the time. I've talked about it with you and, and Eli and Daniel and everybody. It's just so great to see what he has done in such a short amount of time. 
developing into the guy that he has, developing physically, developing that third pitch changeup, which has become, I think, fantastic pitch for him on top of his fastball slider combo. He needed that pitch and he has it. So good, man. Um, I love it. it it's, it's just a testament again, and I'll throw it back again. I'll exhaust this until I'm purple in my face. The development team and how they did this in this climate, right? In this climate of, of COVID and lost minor league seasons, you see guys like Josh Chisholm and Trevor Rogers who are coming up. They're, they're coming up, you know, basically last year on, on a moment's notice to try to contribute. Um, you know, they got that time in a little bit, got their feet wet you know, alternate training, say all this stuff taken into account. And now not too much further after that they're here, man. And, and, and they're ready to play. So a, a real big Testament to them. Um, I think it was, it was no question. Pete. It was between jazz and Trevor. And I know there's some great rookies in the national league, man, but I, I don't think anybody was topping either one of those guys. So I, I, if jazz didn't get hurt, that would have been an awesome competition to see them grind it out for that award, man. I, I think that would have been cool, but uh, hopefully get jazz back here very shortly, but yeah. Um, I guess just to finish on, on Edward, because we're talking about him before we got off on our, on our Trevor talk, which I can talk about him forever. So anyways, just to finish on Eddie, I think, I think it was 105 feet. If I'm not mistaken, I'll have to double check that. Um, but yeah, that's, that again, that's, that's, that's his long toss. So that, that shows that he's almost ready to get back on the mound, right? Hopefully the next update we get, we'll hear that he's throwing back on the mound, getting in his lives, getting in his pens. And then I think the time frame on him, honestly i think it's 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 late june early july honestly um I'm, obviously i'm not a doctor i'm just going based off of these situations and how they've developed in the past obviously edward has also had injury issues as well just like Sixto. so you want to take it slow you don't want to exhaust that arm right you want it really really take it easy with him and really make sure that he's ready especially to get into game action so i think he gets in at least a couple of weeks but maybe two weeks of lives and pens until he gets over uh, into into uh, probably Jacksonville as well uh, and into games uh, and then you'll stretch him out and see how he does with pitching. But yeah, um, it's going to be something to watch. Um, I, I don't think it's it's that close, honestly, right now. But um, when that time frame gets closer, um, and as long as he can stay on the field, man, Eddie's got all the potential in the world. So we'll see. I was going to say, you know, some of the analysis there is Sixto is very good. Very yeah. good. Some some people view Eddie as potentially an even better prospect than Sixto, which sounds mind blowing. But where do you sit in that camp? Ah, uh, I mean, I, I I've heard both sides of it, honestly, Pete. Where am I? It, it's hard because you want to see them side by side right now, right? Mm -hmm. You want to see how their off seasons went. Obviously, they both got injured. You want to see. And we did see it a little bit from Sixto. We saw nothing from Edward Cabrera. So in terms of where they were when they were both pitching at the same time, side by side, last time we saw, I mean, I, I would probably give the slight edge to Sixto Sanchez based on command. Um, command is, um, Edward has it, right? If you're going to put a grade to it, I would say that Sixto's command right now is a little bit better. I would say Sixto probably has 50 grade command with the ability to get better. And Edward is probably at 45 with the ability to maybe pump that up to 55. That's if you want to put numbers to it. Um, mm -hmm. Those are, you know, the right now and the future value being the right now floor and the ceiling, right? Those are what those numbers mean for those of you who may not know. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, uh, it goes up to 80. It's 2080 scale it goes up to 80. So anything above 50 is very good on this scale. Um, 60 is like spectacular. And then anything above that's like elite. So, yeah, um, 
yeah. So I, I think it's 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 command uh, for me putting Sixto over Eddie, but Eddie has a little bit more uh, in terms of the wipeout action on his pitches. Um, uh, the slider for um, for Sixto does have that. The changeup, it, it does at times. Um, he's more of a, a a lower on the corners guy with the changeup, more of lesser than an out of the zone guy with the changeup for Sixto. Whereas Eddie's changeup. That thing falls. He can get swings and misses with that pitch. I've seen him do it on balls that bounce off the top of home plate just because of how much movement it has. So yeah, um, it's it's um, it's six toe, but barely to answer the question. Yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you what, we've we've been how oh, we've been enjoying some some major league level changeups. Boy, oh boy, Pablo Lopez. That I mean, that changeup has been sensational. I mean, he's throwing it more than any other pitch. Everyone knows it's coming, but it doesn't matter. Pablo's just still striking you out with it. It's been sensational. So, you know, it's nice that he's there to help. And, um, you know, I think what we hear is these guys, that they're all really kind of pushing each other, but helping each other too. Like, you know, people lean on Sandy for bits. People be leaning on Pablo. I mean, you know, they're vets, but they're not vets. You know, they're 25, 26. Yeah. I mean, they're young right. guys still, right? But, you know, everyone wants to get better. Everyone wants to learn, which is great to hear. Um you know, I think the worrying thing with both Sixto and Eddie clearly is the health. Like the concerns are legit there. And so the Marlins will go slow. We know they will. The problem is at the moment, you know, the major league club really needs these guys to be you know healthy now because it's getting thin quick. Like it truly is. It's getting, you know, Eliezer can't stay healthy either. You know, neither it's been up and down, Castano up and down, Paul Campbell, you know, we'll see how that plays out. You know, it's starting to get a little bit concerning there, and I'm not quite sure how they're going to play it. Um, but we could do with we could do with someone coming back, <laughs> being available. It sounds like Eliezer probably is the nearest. I know he isn't a prospect now anyway, but you're probably going to see him in the mix, and then maybe muddle along with Castano or Nida or something. You know, in in, in the short term until Sixto's ready to roll. You know what? End of May, June. You know, whatever it is. So. Be nice to see. The health is the problem. There is some legit health concerns with those two studs. Um, two yeah. other guys I wanted to dig into um, with you are Max and Dax, and they'll forever be, I guess, referred to in that way. Not because of, you know, not just the names, but you know, drafted in the in the same draft as well. So uh, Max is going to Double A, right? So he's part of the loaded Double A. Where's Dax starting off? So Daxton is uh, another member of this incredibly young, but incredibly exciting Jupiter Hammerheads. Oh my days. Uh, you are going to be, you're going to be loving this team all year. They sound yeah. loaded as well. Yeah. I mean, honestly, Pete, the, the double A squad is ridiculous. The, the single A advanced squad is, is incredibly good, man, this Jupiter Hammerheads team. And then he, like, it's already so good. And then look at what they have behind it coming up with Jose Salas and Jorge Caballero. And I, I know I'm probably saying names that you guys don't recognize, but there's other guys behind them that are in extended spring training. Uh, Christian Rodriguez. There's, there's all these other guys behind them that are coming. Brady Encarnacion is another one that may call Leon. I, I'm going to keep, sorry. Um, I'll, I can keep going, but anyways, you get the point. Um, there's so many guys behind this Jupiter team that can potentially come up this year after they start their GCL season. And of course, moves are going to be made probably from Jupiter to get those guys up to single A advance. But you talk about the feeder system, right? 
it's just never ending. Like you got the guys that are going to come up to the majors, but then you just have that next wave coming behind them that are going to be in short season ball. Jupiter Hammerheads, man, it's going to be a team, an incredibly young team, like I said, but I'm so excited to go to these games all year long, man. I, I really like digging in, as you know, to these younger guys, the guys that, you know, we don't know about yet. And I, I really am excited because all I've seen and heard and me and Daniel as well is the reports that we get from the execs that are, of course, the only guys that were allowed at winter instructs and the only guys that were obviously allowed at spring training for minor leagues this year. So all we get is those little reports, but I'm going to get to go out with my own eyes and see these deeper down prospects and where they are in their development. And I'll, I'll be able to get the reports out on them. It, that That's so cool. I'm so excited for that. I can't tell you, like, I probably won't even sleep tonight, honestly, just because of how excited I am for tomorrow. <laughs> but, you know, just in terms of what I was saying, going back to it, man, it, it's, it just speaks to the depth, bro. It's, it's depth on depth on depth. And the Jupiter Hammerheads are going to be an exciting team to watch all year long. And they're going to have different names, which is, is so cool because I think a lot of these kids are going to be quick promotees. Um, even though they're so young, I think you got a couple quick promotees from Jupiter in there that are going to go up pretty quickly. Um, and guys that are going to move at other levels as well. But then you got that next wave to replace them. So I'm so stoked, man. Obviously, you can probably tell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, He's it's pumped. Gonna be Fully pumped. <laughs> Hey, listen, um, you know, this is the right time. It's the right time to segue into this question now for you, buddy. You know, I tease it at the start. When we dig deep, we're digging deep into Jupiter and even below. Give us some names that we should have early eyeballs on. Who are the guys that you're already thinking about that you're going to be tracking, you're excited about? You know, you and Daniel have probably already spoken about it, but, you know, let's, let's throw out some names and we can, you know, revisit it as the season goes on. Yeah, this didn't work out for me last time we did this because I think the guys <laughs> I called last time, like 95% of them are no longer with the Marlins. Uh -oh. um, of course, we had the roster crunch that we had and the the uh, levels getting uh, condensed as we talked about before. So obviously moves had to be made. You knew those big cuts were coming. Every team did them. Um, uh, yeah, just so just uh, another uh, best wishes to those guys that were here that are no longer here because I thought we had some good talent that unfortunately had to go. It happens, right? I mean, it was, it was a unique situation. The financial situation was going into it. So it, it is what it is. So anyways, um, I'll, I'll try again this year. Um, you know, hopefully we're going into a non-pandemic scarred season. And mm -hmm. I hope to God, never again, I canceled minor league season. So I'll give it a try here on, on this one, Pete. I'll give you a few. Big one for me, um, Will Stewart. Will Stewart, um, we saw him pitch with the Jupiter Hammerheads. Um, he's fallen way, way down prospect rankings list. And it's for good reason, because he was not good with, with the Jupiter Hammerheads. He just wasn't good. His ERA was really inflated. It was like over five. He's this off-speed guy, and he really needs to rely on his command. And he was just over the plate way, way, way too much to these single-A advanced hitters. So he falls down draft boards. Where is he now? Challenge him with double-A. I think they had to after the minor league season, after the lost minor league year, which of course we talked about. Um, so yeah, I think this guy um, is, is a big one to watch just because he's starting to get older. Um, I asked Nick Fortes uh, who caught him a lot in Jupiter on the blue Wahoos awesome media call that they, that they did. And I didn't know this, but he's actually really good friends with him. And he said, he's like one of his best friends in the organization. So he knows a lot about him and then he's catching him. Right. I didn't know that. So it was cool to learn that. And then, uh, the answer to the question was he's the different pitcher. Like he's, he's thought he was really, really struggling and putting a lot of pressure on himself in that 2019 season in single advance. So now Nick says that he's pitching to his strengths. 
He's starting to get the ball lower in the zone again. He's inducing ground balls. Changeup looks really good. Um, Changeup was already really good. He just wasn't placing it. So yeah, it's an off-speed guy, another ground ball guy, right? Mm-hmm. One of those 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 Dan Castano type guys. Um, so we yeah, love him. Pitching to his strengths, he's got a really weird, you know, kind of release. Um, he kind of goes like full wingspan. If you watch him pitch, it's it's really weird. Um, it's a completely unique look for hitters. So he's not a big guy, right? He's only like six one or something like that. So, but he's got this really kind of wingspanish delivery where he goes like way behind his back and then comes out over the top. So it's it's inter- it's a really weird look. It's hard for guys to to pick up the ball out of his hand. I think so. If he's commanding low in the zone, man. I think he's going to be really good. So, yeah, I, I think he's going on what? Uh, I think like 24, 25 now, uh, something like that. So, yeah, it's, he's getting to that level where you want to see him do it, right? You want to see him it happen. And you want to see that ground ball rate come back, right? It was at 62% in 2018. In that 2019 season, that, uh, that, that 2018 season, it was at low A. That 2019 season, that ground ball rate was all the way down to 52%, right? And that's his biggest strength is inducing those ground balls. So you want to see that come back. And if he's pitching to his strengths and getting to that lower half of the zone with all three of his pitches, I think he's going to be good. And I think it could pop back into our minds and into the minds of evaluators. So he's the one to watch for me at the double A level. I'll give you a comp because I know you asked for these. Um, I'll give you a comp to a guy that just left the organization. Um, didn't pitch with the Marlins. Wanted to pitch with the Marlins, but said his body just kind of gave out. Gio Gonzalez. Gio oh. Gonzalez, another soft tossing lefty type inducing those ground balls. And he had a great career. So I think Will Stewart can make a good career out of himself um, at the back end of a rotation if he is getting back to that ground ball. So mm. we'll see. So there's one. Um, what else? You want? Uh, I guess I can give you uh, – I mentioned Brady Puckett on my podcast. He's another big one. But I'll give you one that I didn't mention on my podcast as a second. Troy Johnston. So who's Troy Johnston, right? A lot of people may not know this name. I was thinking exactly that. That was the first thing that came to my head. So Troy Johnston, uh, starting with the Hammerheads again. So another guy for me to watch. Um, there you go. A three-year college in Zaga. Um, he also had a really good showing in, in summer ball after his freshman year in 2017. That's kind of what popped him up in, into uh, draft boards and stuff like that. Um, yeah, uh, Marlins got him uh, in the draft. Uh, really, really good first season in short season ball. Um, he played in, I think, 59 games, um, pretty close to a regular player for them, right? Um, that was at right after his draft season. So a really extensive year. So he plays a full year of college ball, and then he's playing a full year of short season ball, almost a full year of short season ball. So he got in the most extensive action of his pro career, and he's making the jump to affiliated baseball. And he did well. 277, 373, 399 was the slash line. Um, super solid, right? Um, very similar build. Um, not, I don't think he's a similar a player, but this, to the build is similar to Peyton Burdick. Average height with just a ton of that like rock solid muscle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 5'11", 205. So, you know, kind of that stouter built guy in terms of height, but just packs on the muscle, right? Just rock solid physically. Um, and then again, I, I talk about these guys with physicality. Um, Burdick's kind of different that he involves a lot of physicality in his swing. He's got that beautiful violence to his swing, right? But this is a guy that's kind of on the other end of the spectrum. He's really, really simple in his approach to hitting. He's got kind of that smoother swing, right? He's kind of that kind of take what I can get kind of guy and just let my strength carry me for extra bases. Um, but yeah, mechanically, if you want to get my thoughts here, closed in the upper half, um, stays back really well on the ball from what I've seen from his college video. And then I was watching a lot of video that I could find 
on that that uh, that that uh, summer league showing that I mentioned that he had in 2017, and the reports that we got from that. Um, yeah, so uh, swing looks really really smooth. Um, creates solid contact, like I said. It has good bat speed, but he's more of like that. You know, I'm just gonna go with it and take what I can get. And his mindset kind of reflects that. Um, we read some quotes from him when we I, when we drafted him that I kind of had saved in my little file of, of him. I have like a file of each player that I want to kind of keep a closer eye on, and Troy's one of them. So I have quotes in there that I was reading back on when we were going into this podcast. Um, he says he just keeps the game as simple as possible, right? Visualizing where he wants the baseball to go, focusing on swinging at strikes, and then the extra bases is just a bonus on top of that. But again, the strength and bat speed, he'll come by that naturally. He doesn't need to have that violent swing. He just keeps it simple, goes with the baseball, and gets it done. And I, I think he's going to be a solid player for those reasons. Um, probably more doubles doubles power than home run power, I think, for him because of the reasons that I just stated. Mm -hmm. But you got that patience, simplicity, covers the whole plate, goes to all fields. Want a comp, Pete? You know I do. All right. So a, a comp for me here. Um, Nick Markakis. This is what I have for Troy Johnson. Um, good average, doesn't strike out a lot, doubles first, good outfielder, solid player, competitor, team guy, stand-up guy, seems like a really nice kid. Um, we saw him a couple of interviews that he did with media. He seems really cool. Um, 23 and playing at low A. A um, little bit old for that level, right? With success, mm -hmm. I think he gets pushed and challenged this year pretty quickly. If we didn't have what we have in terms of outfield, I think he'd at least be with the Beloit snappers to start this year, if not higher, um, yep. probably with and then getting up. But yeah, I think he's a guy who could get pushed quickly. Maybe he won't be with the hammerheads too long. Um, that speaking selfishly, that would suck for me, but it would be cool to see him progress through the minor league level. But I think this kid could be good. Yeah. I love it. You know, that's what I asked you for, right? Dig, dig deep. You pulled out <laughs> a name there, Troy Johnson. I'd never heard of Troy, but eyeballs are on. Markakis comp. Love that. Will Stewart, I had heard of, and, you know, I think he came as part of the, did he come as part of the Rio Muto deal? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so uh, I, that, I guess his name was in lights because of that. I know, yep. obviously, uh, Alfaro and uh, and Sixto were, the, I guess, the bigger names, let's say, but Will Stewart was part of that. Um, so, you know, been around for a few years now. Um, so that's your Gio Gonzalez comp, plus you've already thrown in a, a Yalich comp, so... Uh, loving that. Um, right. We're running out of time. We probably already way overrun, but that's standard for us. We've segued. I'll give, segued you, I'll give you one more quickly and I won't spend too yeah. much time, but I'll do one more just because I want to say his name because it's a cool name. And people that are hearing me say the name, they're going to be like, I have no idea what he's talking about. And it's understandable. Maybe Daniel and maybe like 10 other people on Twitter will know this name, but probably Ian Smith will know this name. Eli will probably know. But uh, outside of that, maybe a couple other guys, you're not going to know. But I'll give it to you, and I'll give you a quick, quick scouting report. I know, I know, you're running out of time, Pete. We've had our technical issues and everything as well. So, anyways, <laughs> get to the name, Emmanuel Marinez. Again, Emmanuel Marinez. So, okay. who is the quick, quick scouting report? I don't, I don't want to take up too much time. Um, also, again, Jupiter Hammerheads this year. All right. So, comes out of the. 2017-2018 international signing class. And he signs for a good amount. 1.5 million. Okay. Oh, what does that say? Okay. So let's just give it some context. The year before that, we had a different international scouting director. His name is Albert Gonzalez. He spent, I think, like 13 years with the Marlins organization in that role and then took on a bigger role 
and left to go back to the Kansas City Royals, which is where he started his career, I believe. Then in comes Fernando Segrignal. Before that, though, Albert Gonzalez, 2008, he, he signed Marcelo Zuna. Marcelo Zuna signing bonus, $49,000. 2016, he signs Edward Cabrera. Edward Cabrera, $100,000 signing bonus. Then Fernando Segrignal comes into the same position, and Emmanuel Mariñez gets $1.5 million. So that year, the Marlins had a $5.25 million bonus pool. Of course, there's some like swing and miss on these guys, these international draft picks. But to spend like a good chunk of your international signing pool money on one guy, that says a lot. And the kid was 16 years old. Minimum wow. signing from 16 years old, right? So not quite the level of the Mesas, like not that highly heralded of a signing, right? Where the Marlins were trading pieces to stockpile this pool money to get these guys here. It's not really on that level, right? It's not as highly heralded as that. But it's the next step down to spend a good chunk of your international pool money on somebody. That makes a statement, right? And it's the same scouting director that's still here today. So he's still here and he still likes what he sees from this kid. And why not? I mean, he's still just 20 years old. A lot of time for him. Um, the reports, there's not many reports on him just because we haven't seen much. But they're kind of interesting. And they say that he doesn't really have a standout tool. At least he didn't coming out of the international draft. But he just puts it together on the field and he looks solid. So I'm excited to see how Emmanuel Mariñez does. He's a shortstop right now, I believe. I think he spends most of his career at third base. Maybe second base. I think third base is probably the home for him. But he has that versatility, too. So I'm excited to see where he is. So there's a third. Love it. That is, that is digging deep. But you're right. 1.5 mil signing bonus. I mean, woo. I mean, some serious dollars there. So they must have liked something. So that's, that is, that's a great one. I'm, I'm really excited to track him, too. Uh, and like you said, this this Jupiter team, mate. There's there's tons yeah. of tons of fun there for you to go and enjoy. No doubt about that. Um, yeah. So okay, we're bang out of time. We definitely are. But the final <laughs> question for you, buddy, is which of these affiliate teams do you think is going to finish with the best record overall? And I know it's not easy because people get moved up and down, and you know, uh, people uh, players will progress through. So, but yeah. knowing what you know now. Which team do you think is going to end up with the, the best overall record? I mean, I guess it's the easy answer just because of where they're starting. I would kind of temper expectations record-wise for AAA just because of everything that's going on with taxi squads and alternate training sites. And you got to kind of fill holes there and get these emergency players up and everything. Yeah. So you get it. I, I would kind of temper the AAA record, even though it's going to be good, play, good, good ball played in, in Jacksonville. I kind of temper the record there. Um, I would say double A is probably where you're going to see the most wins just because of where they're starting with Meyer and, and, you know, everything else that they have with Eater and the pitching staff. And then you go down to the position players that that team has. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I really do think that they're probably going to be the class of this Blade, mm -hmm. Burdick, Gerard. I mean, that team's just studs. I, I mean, Victor, Victor Mesa, if Will Stewart can put it together, which we hit on, um, I think their weakness, as is the case with most of these minor league levels, is catcher. Um, of course, the Marlins don't have a ton catcher-wise. Um, you know, Bamfield and Dustin Skelton are down in um, single-A advance. Those are the two big catching prospects. And then Cameron Barstad, who's, I guess, the third catcher, is in Jupiter. So, yeah, I mean, I, I really think if you're looking for wins, you look at um, double-A. Um, just because of where they're starting and then for what they'll be fed, 
when Connor Scott comes up, if Cameron Meisner gets promoted, you know, other guys, you know, if Alberto Guerrero, I think, could come up in, in a pitching role and be promoted. He's just a free and easy guy. So there's a lot already there and a lot coming behind it, as is the case with all of these levels. But yeah, I would say because of how polished it is already and the star-studded prospects that they have, and then with what's behind it, I would say double A. Um, and then not far behind it, I would probably say single A advanced with the bullet snappers. Love it. Um, now I know where to focus my time and attention with my MILB uh, app that, that I'll be digging into uh, to track some of these guys. I've never watched a lot of minor league baseball, if I'm honest. I mean, it's hard enough following the, the big league club, right, with uh, with daily games. But I know Rob Newell as well, who's always you know one of the main stalwarts, the UK GOATs. He loves his, his minors. So, um, you know, we'll, we, we typically lean, lean on him for the, the minor league updates for sure. But, oh, Alex Carver, that has been a lot of fun. It's been emotional, not only trying to get the technology working. We've had two bits of breaking news in it. And then we've, we've dived into tons of prospects, names, comps, you name it, you've had it. Um, I think, and, and the other thing I need to call out, I can see that T-shirt you're wearing as well, buddy. No one else can see it, but I can. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's got the full upper with the bopper, which is looking sweet as well. Um, listen, make sure you come back on. Uh, appreciate your time today. I know you, you you guys did a full pod yesterday, so you probably podded out, but um, appreciate the time. Um, make sure you come back midway through the year. Give us a full update. We'll be tracking these names. Uh, let's hope you have a bit a bit, bit more success than you did with last uh, the last time when you pulled a few names out. So, um, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Um, yeah, I'll, I can talk stuff all day, Pete. I don't care. I could do, you know, podcast after podcast. I'll, I'll never get tired of talking about this stuff. This is our passion. This is what me and Daniel love to do. I'm so glad that it's here, man. I'm, I'm so excited that I'll have my camera in my hand tomorrow. Uh, I'll have, you know, all my my scorebook, I'll have everything ready to go. Uh, yeah, like I said, I'm probably not even going to sleep tonight just because I'm so stoked to get back out to the field um, and watch these prospects. And please watch along with us because, you know, the Marlins, um, they're doing okay right now. I mean, obviously, this division is, is what it is. And, of course, you know, Marlins fans being what they are, that's where their attention is going to be, especially the more casual fans. But take it from me, take it from Daniel, other guys that, are, that cover these guys, these prospects. Go watch them. Turn on MILB TV. Follow along with us, please, if you're so inclined. We really appreciate it. Pete, again, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really excited. <laughs> I can tell. It's coming through. The passion is pumping. Is there any, is there any chance of daily update videos uh, from you covering the minor leagues? <laughs> Man, I, honestly, you do, you, you do like the, the king's work with that. Those, I, I wait for those videos every day. I wake up. I'm like, did Pete put his video out? Like, seriously, I have your, your tweets on alert. I'm like, I want to see his video. I want to see what he has to say today. And you're out there in, in the rain sometimes and, and, and do it late night and, and everything else. It's, it's awesome to see the passion from somebody else, as big of a passion as I have for baseball, to see somebody that has it like you that isn't remotely close to the team. It's so great. I can't say enough about that. It's why you are where you are in terms of your following. It's so awesome. I mean, I love guys like you and Vicente. And all of these other guys that, and Daniel as well, that are in other countries and, 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 you know, wanting to cover this Marlins team and be there with us and care about prospects and care about the Marlins. It's great. I love it. 
that's what makes you who you are. And yeah, anytime, man, I'll come on whenever you want. Just ask me. I'll be here. You're a legend. You are a legend. And it's going to be a fun minor league season, no doubt about it. The Marlins are loaded. That is the, the word that has been the word of the last two days. Every affiliate is stacked, loaded, full of studs, rocket emojis galore. You name it, it is just, it's going to be insane. Love to see it. There is just so much depth. I'm so excited uh, to get into it. And as, as you can already tell, uh, Alex Carver is absolutely, he's, it is Christmas Eve for him. Uh, no doubt about it. Alex, that's been a lot of fun, buddy. Really appreciate your time. For anyone that isn't following you, and there probably won't be anyone that's listened to this that doesn't, but if they don't, where can they get you on Twitter? Yeah, guys, it's at Marlins Miners on Twitter. Please also follow at Daniel DeVivo, um, my confidant, my, my partner in this whole project. Um, I really couldn't do it without his help. Um, when there's something that I don't know, he's right there for me. Um, you know, he's, he's so great. I can't really say enough about him. I'm lucky again. I, I got to call him out. I, I know I called him out at the beginning, but <laughs> I'm so lucky to have him. I'm so lucky that the Marlins give me the access they do. Um, also the minor league affiliates give me access as well. I have, uh, the Mets gave me access today. I'm just so grateful to, to do this and to be here. And I, I just hope that my coverage and what I do and just telling you what I know as a baseball fan and just what I see more so than anything else, more so than analytics or numbers or whatever it may be, more so just what I see and from what I know growing up, wanting to play baseball and wanting to be involved in this game. I just bring you my thoughts and you may disagree at times. Me and Daniel disagree all the time. I love it. And that's what makes us who we are. So please follow Daniel as well at Daniel DeVivo. Um, my website's linked there, Swimming Upstream, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Podbean is the uh, the uh, provider that I use. You can find us there as well. Listen in, follow along. I got some cool stuff planned, man, for a minor league season. I think it's maybe daily videos. Maybe um, mm -hmm. I want to do more live streams. I, I want to try to get some players and staff into the podcast as well with me and Daniel. So I got some cool stuff planned, man. Um, I'm really hoping it, it comes to fruition. And yeah, anybody who wants to follow us, please do so. We appreciate the time. Oh, it's been emotional. An emotional part. It's been a lot of fun. We got to uh, go digging all Campbell situation now, man. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Anyways. That was wild. Literally mid-sentence. I, um, I stopped. You just stopped talking. <laughs> I mean, wild, wild news. Um, we'll, we'll dig into that. But right, that is episode 92. 92 is in the books. Alex Carver, no doubt about it. An absolute stud. Appreciate the time. Looking forward to coming back and talking some more minors baseball as the season kicks on. To the listeners, thank you. We'll be back tomorrow, I think, with, uh, with the usual UK GOAT. So we'll be back then. Uh, until then, stay safe and go fish. Go fish.